Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatita. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Been a day. I'm still hungover. But we have good news or an announcement. Yeah. Would you like to? We have a new puppy, which still remains nameless. (laughs) Oh, that's what we should call her. Nameless. Nameless. Yeah. (laughs) Should just call her Jane Doe. (laughs) Oh my God. Perfect. Karen Patina brought home a little husky today. Yeah. So. New addition. She's a cute little floof. I'm sure we'll post pictures of her. Yes, we will. Um, she's very photogenic, so it'll be fun to, to share. All right. Tell me about some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Wait, what are you doing? I will be doing the doing box. <laughs> I'll be excited to hear that. That's she, what we did. Okay, so she, we went to the Adidas employee store earlier in the week, yeah. and I was as I was getting in the car, she goes, "Hey, by the way, what story are you doing this week?" And I was like, "She never asked you that before." Well, we were talking. I was like, "Are we going to be able to?" Or record, I was like, "I'm not yeah. sure if we're going to be able to record because of the puppy." And she's like, "No, Fatina's determined to. She's already like researching her story." And I was like, "I probably need to get started on mine <laughs> as I'm getting in the car." And she was like, "What are you going to do?" And I was like. She was like, she was like, I fucking hate you. (laughs) She was so mad. (laughs) She just knew. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep haunting your house, but. Oh, God. um, Say our prayers. Yes. So, yeah, I told Kara that I was doing the Dybbuk box. Um, She was super thrilled. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited. I was really excited to do it. I watched episodes of Zach Baggins for the first time because I haven't ever actually watched his show. Which is why I posted my poll the other day asking what people thought of him. It was really funny because, like, you voted on the poll and I voted for my regular account on the poll. (laughs) And you and Chai Young both voted exactly the same thing at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys think that he's legit. Um, I think he's full of shit. (laughs) Most people... What what was Most people think he's full of shit. Oh, really? Well, he's definitely dramatic and he's very... I think he's he, he does staged. it for it, it definitely does look sage. Seventy two percent said that he was a joke, basically. Wow. Okay. Um, well guys. You're definitely in the minority. This is where I walk out. I will talk about it a little bit just from like what I watched of him. Sure. Especially like pertaining to this particular item. First I'm gonna tell you all about it. Yeah, I definitely wanna know the history because I know we talked about it a little bit, but I'm here for it. Yes. Yeah, so the story itself is twofold. So we need to talk about like the Dybbuk box itself. Mm-hmm. And then we need to talk about Dybbuk's in their own right. Because okay. the Dybbuk, Dybbuk box is just used to contain one singular Dybbuk. Dybbuk? But there's more than one. What is a Dybbuk? Okay. I'm going to tell you all about it. <laughs> um, so the Dybbuk... I thought that was the name of the box. Just like... Yeah, no. No, like no. A, so I'll like tell a, you. Like a hat box. <laughs> But for demons. Yeah. <laughs> a box for demons. Yep. <laughs> Google it. It's on Amazon. Um, actually, they probably low-key are. So the Dybbuk box is considered to be one of the most haunted and deadly items in the world. It inspired the movie The Possession. And in The Possession, a young girl is cursed by an evil spirit that haunts an old box. Okay. So it's pulled directly from this one particular box in itself. So the roots of the box, right? So, like, what is this box? 
So in Jewish mythology, a dibbuk is considered to be a malicious possessing spirit. So a dibbuk itself is has nothing to do with the box. Mm. Um, a dibbuk is a demonic spirit. A demon. And, yeah. Okay. So specific to Jewish mythology, dibbuks wander restlessly because of former sins that they've committed in a previous life. Mm-hmm. And the dibbuk, the word dibbuk means to adhere or cling to. Oh. So a dibbuk is a malicious spirit that adheres or clings to a body. Ew. So in this case, they wander restlessly because of their former sins. They often cling to a host body, a human person, okay. um, until it accomplishes, accomplishes whatever its goal is. Okay. So it can't rest until its goal is accomplished. And it almost causes like a split personality within a person. So the person itself will start to take on behaviors and characteristics of the Dybbuk. So if the Dybbuk in a former life was like, let's say like a smoker, that person might take up smoking for no reason. um, Because it's trying to share its body with both its own soul and this other soul that's adhering to the original. So it is kind of like a possession because it possesses the body. It 100% is. It's basically the Jewish version of possession. Right. But it's not like your Hollywood possession or your, you know, what we know of like convulsions and Reagan just throwing up and stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, it's um, a little bit more manic, uh, Mm -hmm. what some would consider like legitimately like a split personality, multiple personalities. Um, But darker yeah yeah like more subtle almost yeah yeah it's not like the person's crawling around on the ground with like right. its limbs all yeah. but <laughs> i do sound effects now that sound effect was great okay <laughs> so like i said dibic itself is derived from the hebrew word that means um adhering or clinging to and because it clings to this human body, the only way for it to leave the host body is for it to either accomplish its goal, whatever it may be, or to be exercised. Oh, okay. So we'll talk a little bit here in a second about like what that looks like to like exercise a dibbuk in Jewish culture. Oh. Um, but dibbuk in writing first appeared with uh, around the 16th century. And it was from early accounts of possessions. And these were specifically, like I said, related to demonic possessions in the Jewish faith or Jewish mythology, not ghost hauntings. So very different. Like it was specific to how it inflicted a person, not a location, which is what makes the box so interesting because the idea has always been that it adheres to a human. Not a thing. Right. Okay. Some accounts indicate that you might become possessed by a dibbuk by, like, sloppy writings or copies of the Torah. So, like, part of learning the Torah is a lot of writing of the Torah. Like, Mm -hmm. you do a lot of, like, copying and stuff. There's a special type of parchment that they would use and everything to do scripts of the Torah. Okay. So if you were rushing that or you did it really sloppy or it didn't look well, nice, or up to standards, I don't know. If that wasn't up to par, you could potentially be inviting a Dybbuk into your house. Um, The other interesting thing is that if you express doubt in the story of Moses parting the Dead Sea... Which is, for those of you who know, 
the Bible, that is a story in the Bible where Moses parts the Dead Sea. If you doubted that that actually happened, you could invite a Dybbuk into your oh, household. weird. Yeah. Which I was like, why that specifically? Huh. Yeah. Traditionally, a lot of like where Dybbuk's really started to gain their momentum was from a play writer who would, he wrote a play about, I mean, essentially it was a play about Dybbuk's, um, where the male spirit in this particular play, it was a man who died and he came back to basically haunt and possess the body of his fiance. So a lot of the stories that you'll see traditionally in Greek mythology kind of Mm -hmm. mirror that, where it is a male spirit that inhabits the body of a female, usually around the time that she's getting ready to get married. Oh, to get, like, remarried? Not necessarily remarried, but it's, like, in in the play itself, he haunted the woman that he was supposed supposed Mm -hmm. to marry. And it didn't necessarily say anything about her remarrying, but just that that's that's why he chose her was because he was supposed to marry her. But in other traditional writings, like these male spirits will possess a woman before she gets married. And the gross part about this, trigger warning, um, they enter the women vaginally. Oh, wow, that is very specific. Yeah, so it is, like, kind of a, uh, it's definitely, like, more of a sexual thing, but, like, uh... Is it a cautionary tale of sorts? Like, no, it's not like a... It's like, if you're getting married... Women, keep your parody. Like, it doesn't... (laughs) Wow. I don't quite understand, like, what the, um, underlying, like, takeaway is from that, (laughs) moral of the story is but i wonder what how you know it's always funny to to find out what the origin of something is and that mm-hmm. would, that is why why vaginally? i know i was like oh god like oof. on the flip side getting away from the playwrights and everything like that in early psychological literature um again more from a jewish origin because mm-hmm. funny enough like a lot of uh, early psychologists and early um, scientists were Jewish. Um, the Dybbuk was described as a type of hysteria, which I'm like, of course, hysterical oh, like women. The like the Dybbuk possessing someone? Yeah, it so was called, it was okay. now, like, they'll say that, you know, it targeted people that were mentally ill, and I'm like, no, it didn't target people that were mentally ill. They were just mentally ill, but... Right. <laughs> But it was, like, seen as, like, oh, she's quote-unquote hysterical, which I was like, right, hate that. Um, but she's quote-unquote hysterical, and we can't explain her symptoms, so she must be possessed. So oh, rather than, okay, like, okay. try and understand what's going mm-hmm. on and get them the help they need, they're like, yeah, she's, she's got a demon spirit inside of her. So <laughs> it very often applied, again, to women. Like, it right. was to explain hysteria in women and mental illness in women. So, like I said, to expel the Dybbuk, um, this requires a rabbi. So the rabbi would need to actually perform an exorcism. And throughout the exorcism, it is done in a synagogue. You have the rabbi that's actually performing it, and then 10 other men who are purified through fasting and rituals. Oh. Which I, I was like... 
why 10 men? Like, 10 men and one woman, like, <gasps> but yeah, I don't, I don't quite know, like, their role in the whole thing, but again, they go through, like, this process of, like, fasting for however long, they go through several rituals, and then they participate in this actual exorcism, and very much like a Catholic exorcism, the point is to address the Dybbuk directly. So mm. you have to call it by name. You have to like identify like the things it's done, the transgressions uh-huh. that it's committed, and try and basically coax it out of the person. Right. Unlike Catholic exorcisms, it is crucial that the spirit of the Dybbuk exit the body through the big toe and its toenail. No. Yep. Specifically through its big toe and its toenail, because if it exits any other part of the body, it can cause permanent damage to the host body. So in order for it to leave the body safely and it causes as little damage as possible, it has to go through the big toe. (laughs) What? This is so incredibly specific. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, mythology, if you will. <laughs> Nothing like a good. And you know what's so funny is they often refer. What you, uh, what's interesting to me, I guess, is that Catholic uh, or more mainstream. I don't want to say Catholic possessions, but possessions that are recognized by the Catholic mainstream. Uh, yeah, religions such as the Catholic Church mm-hmm. are taken, like, super seriously, and they're very often referred to as possessions, and, like, they're legitimately, like, that person is dealing with a demon. Right. Whereas, like, when I looked into this, it often referred to it as Jewish mythology or Jewish folklore, and I was like, why is it that this is Was deemed- it just reported differently? Exorcisms, I believe, have been recorded, right? Either yeah. in writing or they, they've been documented in one way or another, even by verbal stories. So well, is that the difference? It's being... I don't know, because like with the I only have like a pinch of Jewish blood in me, but I don't actually like practice the faith. So I don't quite know how these things work. But like whereas a Catholic priest would actually go to a person, a Jewish exorcism has to be done in the synagogue and my guess is like you don't get to go in there filming or anything like that like that's considered sacred ground Hmm, but I don't quite know what the rules and terms of conditions are in that situation (laughs) what the fine print is for somebody out there knows please fill me in um but that that seems logical to me Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be allowed to just like but the word is still the same as far as like exorcism yeah they still use that word yeah at least in the articles that i found about it sure okay so i don't know there's probably like a hebrew word for it yeah yeah or a yiddish some type of another but yeah um it may not directly translate but that's the closest it's very interesting like you said it's almost like four stories instead of yeah it's it's kind of dismissed as like oh you know legend has it tales of the whereas that's not necessarily the case for more like i said more mainstream right we're just like mary in 1949 yeah it just is it is Mm -hmm. it is fact and it is like from the most part people accept it as fact Mm -hmm. or maybe take it more seriously um they don't say like 
legend has it that Mary was possessed by a quote unquote demon, you know, like it just, I don't know. It seems almost like diminishing Mm. and I don't quite know the reason for that. It might be because it has to go through the big toe and suddenly people are like, "Mm, like why? Why though? (laughs) Anyway. Um, so to move into the box, this particular box, like I said, so Dybbuk themselves kind of start to come onto the scene in the 16th century, but the mm-hmm. Dybbuk box doesn't turn up until 2001. Oh, wow. So the box that itself is, is very, very recent. Whereas I was like, it's got to be a hundred years old, but right. it's not. So It's younger than us. Right. So... I was, I thought that there was going to be this crazy whole, like, tale of making it through hundreds of years or something like that, but it is not so. So in 2001, a man named Kevin Manis buys a wine cabinet from an estate sale in good old Portland, Oregon. No way! (laughs) Really? Yes, so the Divic box has the actual Divic box itself like that we're going to talk about. Like the one that is very one. well known. That everybody okay. knows about that right. Zach Baggins has in Las Vegas right now. And just to clarify, because I, I know you clarified for this for me last time that we talked about this. So Divic box is the like how you describe it, but there's Divic, like we know the one, but there's Divic boxes. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Because it's a little... Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Right. But there is one in particular <laughs> that we're going to talk the about. The most renowned yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it doesn't come on the scene until 2001 in Portland, Oregon, which seems apropos. So it's discovered to belong to Holocaust survivor Havala. She was 103 years old when she died. Whoa. And she had escaped a concentration camp and had immigrated, basically fled Poland during Mm -hmm. the Holocaust, fled Poland, um, and had taken refuge in Spain. And it was in Spain um, that she's obviously grieving what has happened to her. She's the only surviving member of her family. Mm -hmm. And she decides that the best way to handle this is to summon a spirit that will help her defeat the Nazis. She thinks that if she can summon what she thinks is, like, not necessarily a good spirit, but a spirit that will be an ally, that she can use that spirit to help defeat the Nazis or get retribution for what's happened to her and her family. The problem is, is that when she is trying to summon this spirit that she doesn't deem, in her mind, something that she should be afraid of, she actually summons an evil spirit. Oh. Rather than have the spirit cling to her... She uses this old wine cabinet that she has come into possession of in Spain to sequester the spirit. Okay. And manages to basically, like, keep the spirit in the box. I don't exactly know what goes through that. Like, I'm kind of picturing, like, Peter Pan, like, fighting his shadow. Maybe. Yeah. But manages to get the spirit in the box. Okay. It has to be like there has to be some type of process. There has of to be some type of process and, and like how yeah. me I might have some theories on that maybe. Maybe. Okay. We'll see. She shoves the spirit in the box and Do you then know when she did that? Sometime around World War 2. So when she 
comes to America, she brings three things with her. And one of the things she brings is the freaking box. So she's like, I know what I can't leave behind this demonic spirit. She packs that, comes over to America, settles in America, has kids, has grandkids, yada, yada, yada. Comes to Portland? At some point settles in Portland. Okay. And still has this box. And she keeps it high on a shelf in a separate room. And it's out of reach of all the kids. And she tells the kids that under no circumstances are they to touch the box. They're not supposed to open the box. They're not supposed to do anything with the box. In fact, she asks that nobody touch the box except in the case that she dies. She wants to be buried with this box. What? I don't exactly know why she wanted to be buried with the box. The only reasonable explanation I can think of is she's like, I'm bringing Continue it into it. the just, world. Right. So I got to bring it out of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, or don't let it out into the world. Right. Exactly. So okay. she's like, bury it with me. Get mm-hmm. rid of it. That's her solution. But unfortunately, that is not traditional to an Orthodox Jewish burial. Mm-hmm. And so. Like putting items in with the person. I believe, I don't know, like, to what extent with the items, but, like, the wine cabinet, they were like, no. Like, I don't know, like, to what extent you can take something with you. I just didn't take her seriously. Well, I don't think she really, like, she did tell her grandkids and she did tell her kids that there was a Dybbuk in the box. Mm -hmm. I don't exactly know how that works with the Jewish burials, but basically, like, that goes against their practice. You can't take a whole wine cabinet with you. Okay. So. Do you know how big this is? Uh, I know how big it is in approximation to how I've seen it against, like, Zach Bagan's body. Like, it's probably, like, the lower half of that mini fridge. Okay, so about two feet tall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Her request was honored. She was not buried with the box. And so when she died at 103 years old, it was up to the family to disperse her items. Okay. And so one of the things was this wine cabinet. And so that is how Kevin comes into possession of the box. Now... When he finds out that it is a box that ha- that belonged to the grandmother from the Holocaust and it's got this whole history, he offers to give it back to the family. And she was like, no, you like the granddaughter was like, you paid for it. You have to take it. And she got like really agitated with him. Didn't tell him like what it was or anything like Didn't that. Didn't tell him? No, he just found out it was a box from a Holocaust survivor. And he was sure. like, oh my God, like, don't let me take your family heirloom. Like, by right. all means, keep it. So and she was history. like, no, you paid for it. You have to take it. And he was like, all right, like, goddamn, I'll take the wine cabinet then. So he takes the wine cabinet. He takes it back to his furniture shop. He owns a furniture shop where he resurfaces furniture. And he's like, I will polish it up and everything like that. And he's going to give it to his mom as a birthday gift. So that's his plan with the box. Because he doesn't know what the box is yet. He just thinks it's a cool historical piece. He thinks piece. it's a wine cabinet from a yeah. Holocaust survivor. Right. Like that's If somebody gave that to me, I'd be like, I will treasure this forever. forever. And somebody bury, bury me with, me with it. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, she calls. So he drops it off at his furniture shop. And he has his employee working there as a salesperson. She's working. And he's like, cool, drop it off. I'm going to go run some errands. Shop's open. I'm going to go run some errands. I'll be back. And she's like, got it. Holding down the fort. She calls him like 30 minutes later in absolute hysteria. She's sobbing on the phone. She says that somebody is downstairs in his workshop breaking glass and swearing and screaming. And she can't escape because whatever it is that's downstairs has locked the gates 
so she can't get out and has locked the emergency exit, so she can't get out the back either. So she is stuck in this building with whatever it is that's downstairs. Or who, because she thinks it's someone at this point. She thinks it's someone. So he turns around and goes rushing back to the shop. Um, He says he tries to call 911, but his phone dies while he's calling 911. (laughs) Okay. So he gets to the shop and he finds that the gate is indeed locked. And so somehow, like, I think he has keys or something like that. He manages to get past the, the locked gate and he gets inside and he finds his employee hiding in the office, curled up in a corner, sobbing hysterically, and goes downstairs because his workshop is downstairs in the basement sure. of the shop. okay. And finds that he is hit with an overwhelming smell of cat urine. Weird. Despite not having any pets on the property okay. or in the shop, doesn't even own a cat, and the lights don't work. And he realizes that the lights don't work because all of the light bulbs have been broken. Whoa. And that includes nine incandescent bulbs Whoa. and ten of the fluorescent tubes. Oh, my gosh. All shattered. There's no one down there. And he says what is weird about this is that there's only one entrance into that basement, uh-huh. he didn't encounter anybody as he was going downstairs, uh-huh. and the employee didn't see, see anybody leave. going leaving, so nobody enters or exits throughout that whole process. And that's the only way in or oh, out. Oh, no. Mm-mm. He says the employee leaves at that point and never returns, and she had oh, been gosh. employed there for two years. So it wasn't like, you know, she was a newbie. Yeah. So she never comes back and won't talk about it. Oh, really? Yeah, because she's still like shaking. So all we know is what he said, she said that day. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't realize at that point that it's related to the box. Of course not. Right. So he's like, cool, still going to go ahead and polish that up and give it to my mom. Oh, my God. So he polishes up the box and brings it to his mom for her birthday. And she, he gives the box to his mom and she's examining it, everything like that. And he leaves the room. I think she had actually come into the shop or something like that. Cause he leaves the room. And then like a couple minutes later, an employee comes and gets him and is like, there's something wrong with your mom. You need to come really quick. No. And he goes in and finds his mom frozen, sitting in the chair with tears streaming down her eyes, not able to move, not able to speak, nothing. And he calls 911, and she's taken to the hospital, and they find that she's had a stroke. Because of the stroke, she suffers from partial paralysis and loss of speech. Now, her speech is later restored. Um, It does take quite a bit of time. Um, But initially, in the hospital, she's not able to speak or anything like that. That is a common symptom of of a stroke. They lose the ability to talk. And so when he comes in the next day to visit her in the hospital, she he says, how are you doing or whatever? And she starts crying and she spells no gift. And he's like, Weird. he's like, he thinks that she thinks that like she forgot. He got exactly. A gift or something. He was like, oh, she forgot that I got her something mm-hmm. for her birthday. And he's like, no, mom, I got you. I got you that cabinet or whatever. I no got you something box, for yeah. your for your birthday. And she shakes her head and writes hate gift (gasps) oh and he laughs it off thinking that she just hates the gift and he was like that's no problem i'll get you something else it's fine if you don't like it like whatever still not putting it together 
Now, down the road, when her speech is restored, although it does take quite some time, she is able to tell him later on that when she opened the box, she says what she felt is like almost like a magnetic shock shooting through her body that felt like pure evil. Oh, my goodness. But, again, he doesn't realize at the time that it's the freaking box. So, he's got to find a new owner for this box. Oh, my gosh. Because... Because at this point, he's just thinking, my mom hates the gift. Yeah. I don't really want it. And so I got to find some, a new buyer. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So he gives the box to his sister. And his sister returns it three days later. And she says, I don't know what's up with this box, but these doors keep springing open on it. Oh, on it. Okay. Yeah, on the wine cabinet. Keep yeah. springing open. There's no springs on the door, so it can't uh. actually spring open. And the whole time he has the box, it doesn't, exactly doesn't open. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So he can't find an explanation for it or anything like that. So then he gives it to his brother. Jesus. <laughs> and his brother returns it a week later and he says that he gets the smell of jasmine, jasmine flowers, uh-huh. but his wife smells cat pee. Like ammonia. Okay. Yeah, same smell he got from yeah. the shop. Right, right, right. Can't explain it. So his brother's like, listen, she smells cat pee. I can't keep this box. Right. You gotta take it back. So he takes back the box. So then he gives it to his girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> who also returns it and says, I don't know what you're going to do with that box, but, like, you need to sell it, get rid of it, whatever it is. Get what it out of here. What did she find wrong with it? I think she also, like... Besides I, the demon, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah. They weren't super clear on that. It sounds okay. like hers was more, like, nightmares, um, mm. which we're going to talk a little bit about, that I'm not totally sure that she connected to the box at the time, yeah. but also kind of mentioned, like, the cat's pee smell and things like that. Okay. So she's like, got to get it out of here. So he sells it to this middle-aged couple. Okay. They return it either that same day or the next day, and they leave it at the shop with a note that says, this has a bad darkness. Oh. So Kevin is just like, well, I'm going to keep the box then because I've tried everything to get rid of it. So he keeps the box, and then he starts having these nightmares. And in these nightmares, he's walking with a friend. The friend changes. Mm-hmm. based on the night but he's walking with a friend and they're talking and he turns to look at his friend and suddenly the eyes start to change and the face starts to change oh, and he says no. that the person suddenly becomes this evil demonic what he describes as a hag like okay. an older yeah, old, what? A scary old woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> and attacks him Ooh. and says basically starts to beat the hell out of him and when he wakes up he's covered in bruises Oh, like an actual Yeah, life? and actual bruises and actual scratches. Like, he's oh, actually no. been hit. And so he's like, I don't know what is going on, but he ends up, his siblings end up coming over at some point, and they're visiting. And they must have spent the night because he says the next morning at breakfast, they're all talking. And one of them starts talking about this awful dream they had that night. And is talking about the same dream that he had been having. And he said his siblings froze and they all looked at each other and they all said that they'd had the same (gasps) dream when the Dybbuk box was in their house. Ooh, goosies. So then he calls his girlfriend and his girlfriend said she had the same dream when she had the box. Oh. So they are, yeah, I got goosebumps too. Yeah. So the final straw happens when he starts seeing shadow figures lurking around his house. 
his son sees a shadow figure and points it out to him oh, hell no. and turns to find this big nope. shadow figure standing directly over his son. Oh, God, no. Which is where my theory comes in of maybe it does take some type of shape that she was able to actually stuff into the cabinet if somehow she was able to... Physically struggle with it. Maneuver that correctly. Again, I don't know, but... There's like a, I guess, like a tablet inside of it, right? That has some writing on it. There's carvings on the back of it um, written in Hebrew, Mm -hmm. but in the box there are several different items. There's two pennies, there's a rosebud, there's a blonde lock of hair, a brown lock of hair, and a candlestick holder. And then there's like inscriptions written in there. Oh, there's also a small statue with a Hebrew word shalom on it, Mm. a wine goblet. So he decided not to destroy the box because he didn't know what would happen. Now, Good call, because, right. again, if a Dybbuk is living in the box, it has to adhere or cling to something. So if you destroy its home... It's going to go somewhere. It has to cling to the next thing, and it prefers something that is living. So had he destroyed the box, it probably would have clung to him. Also, our lights just flickered. Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every goddamn time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mind you, we've been in here for an hour, and it didn't do it. Yep. Okay. So he decides that since he can't destroy the box, he might as well sell it on eBay. And on eBay? Yeah. No. He puts an entire description in his eBay posting explaining God. everything that's happened. So he does fully disclose, like, I think that this is a haunted evil box, basically. eBay is wild. I know. And I heard somewhere that supposedly they, like, prevent you from selling haunted items, and yet this somehow Is it, it because of this, though? I have no idea. Probably. Because the, the, eBay is wild, let me tell you. Yeah. So he sells the box on eBay, and he includes all this information in his listing. And in order to take the wine cabinet, you have to take everything in it as well. All of it's got to go. Take the whole, the whole thing and down to the two pennies. It's got to go. Yeah. So Oof. a college student ends up buying what? the Dybbuk box. For how much? I don't remember how much he bought it for. I know how much everybody else bought it for, but I don't know how much he bought it for. Okay. Um, But he's a college student. He brings it home to his dorm where he has a bunch of roommates, and he's talking about this haunted box or whatever. After he takes the box, Kevin comes home to find all ten of his fish in his aquarium dead. No. At the exact same time. So meanwhile, this kid has taken the box back home um, or back to his dorm or whatever. And he keeps talking about the haunted box. At one point, he's making fun of it, um, and it's they're having a party or whatever, and he shoves some girl's arm inside the box because he thinks it's really funny and just, what? like, the whole thing's Why? a joke. He thinks it's just a joke, so oh, he's, like, God. using it to basically prank people. He probably went to BSU. I'm just kidding. <laughs> probably. Oh, my God. You're right. No, 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 no. That's totally a U of O behavior. It's totally, Yeah. So he shoves this girl's arm into the box, and the box doesn't take too kindly to his mockery, and it gets the revenge. So at one point, the roommates wake up, and they find a massive bug infestation in their dorm, covering everything and crawling all over the box. Oh, Weird. Yeah. What kind of bugs? I don't know. It just said a bug. It said a bug infestation, so I don't quite know. Oh. To wake up to that? There also started to be mysterious odors 
developing, which I'm like, it's a room of boys, of course. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, "Mm, it's a college dorm room. But But the final straw is when this kid wakes up and has suddenly suffered severe unexplained hair loss. Whoa. And he starts losing his hair for no rhyme or reason. No way. No medical condition, no nothing. Dude, there's something that... <laughs> that box was like, don't you dare stick somebody's arm in here. I can escape from toes. I can make you get... Yeah. <laughs> don't mess make with me. lose your hair. That's crazy. So one of the roommates was working at a museum at the time, and it was a medical museum, and he's telling this coworker, Jason Haxton, all about this box... And he's like, this is all the stuff that's been happening. And Jason's like, there's got to be some explanation for this. Like, right. there has to be. So when the kid puts it again up for sale on 2000, no in 2004 on eBay, oh, Jason's God. like, I'm going to buy the box. So he buys the box for like 250 <laughs> bucks, basically. Okay. So he buys this box, which I was like, damn, that kid made some money off of that. And he decides, like, he's going to kind of figure out what's going on. His original plan was that he was going to gift it to his friend that was an illusionist. Okay. And his friend was like, no, pass. <laughs> so he said that he gets the box and he starts developing these health issues. He gets hives. He starts coughing up blood. He oh, develops God. welts on his body. And his eyes become so bloodshot that it looks like his eyes are actually bleeding. <gasps> no. His wife Oof. at one point touches his clothing after a failed containment attempt is what they called me, which I think what called me wow. called it um, after the, I think they were trying to seal the box. Okay. And his wife touched his clothing and developed bloody welts from touching him. from touching his clothing. Wow. Yeah. There are bloody blisters. Ew. Um, he also had light bulbs burst in his office. Too much energy. And started developing those same nightmares. So he originally kept it in his basement. The story goes, according to what they told Zach Baggins, that he had a guest over. Baggins. Baggins. <laughs> Sorry. Baggins. I thought it was Baggins, but you say it. I don't know. Baggins. Like my <laughs> just let the Midwest oh, take over. Out. It okay? comes out. It does. It's a bag. Baggins. <laughs> oh, anyway. I'm sorry. As they tell Zach Baggins, <laughs> his friend comes over and he somehow, I don't know how exactly he makes his way into the office or down to the basement or down to the basement, which I think is also his office. Jason comes down and he finds his friend sitting dead in his chair over the box. Like actually dead? Dead, dead. Oh. Yeah. What? That part I didn't actually find in writing anywhere as far as Jason's account, but they did tell that story to Zach on the show that he found his friend dead in its chair over the box. Whoa. So I don't know if that means the chair was actually over the box itself or if he was like slumped over the box or what exactly happened. Jason speaks to both rabbis and scientists trying to figure out an explanation for Mm -hmm. this box. And he is told to put the box in a wooden container Lined with gold. Okay. Okay. That's expensive. Yeah. But okay. It's 24 karat magic, as Bruno Mars would say. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so he does this, and his medical symptoms disappear. Okay. So he seals the box, 
and he keeps it in a military-grade storage container buried somewhere on his property that is 27-something acres. Okay. So he keeps it buried somewhere on his property in this military-grade box. He said he constantly has people reaching out, asking for the box, everything like that. He refuses to sell it because he thinks that would be irresponsible to pass it off to somebody else. That is until... Zach comes in. Zach comes in knocking. God. And he was like, hi, hello, I would like to buy your box. Name your price. Mm-hmm. And they they say that he donated it to the oh, museum. baloney. He paid over $10,000 for that box. Damn. Yeah. Everything in his museum, he's actually paid for. Damn. It's not donated. No. I'm sure he was gifted $10,000 after he donated it. Yes. Now, it is Zach that I have found to be the only one that claims that there are 10 Dybbuk boxes in the world. The location of eight, supposedly, is known. Okay. Two of them are missing altogether. Wow. And he, supposedly, is in possession of two. Oh. Now, um, Kevin, the original owner of the box, Mm -hmm. not the original owner, but the second owner of the box, he adamantly disputes this. He's like, there's one Dybbuk box. I had that box. He now has that box, but there's only one of them. Mm. But Zach claims that this other, like, it looks like a little jewelry box that that sits on, like, these, um, what looks like tree roots, almost. Like its legs are little trees. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's That's what it looks like. He claims that this other thing is also a Dybbuk box. I haven't found any information on what exactly that box is supposed to be contain, but he says supposedly. Okay. Um, Supposedly the, bo- the roots coming out of it are supposed to be symbolic of the roots of evil. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, as some of you may know, um, Zach decided that he was going to quarantine in his haunted museum in 2020. He did? Yeah. I don't know. Dude's weird. Like, we were all stressing about quarantining at home. We were all trying not to die, and he was like, I know what's a good idea. I'm going to go hang out with Robert the doll. He he quarantined in there? On purpose? He did a four-part series of him quarantining in his museum, talking about all these terrifying things, and one of them was the Dybbuk box. And he was like, I know how I'm going to end 2020. I'm going to open the box. No. Yeah. So he does this whole four-part series of all these haunted, most haunted, dangerous things in his museum, and the final episode is him opening the Dybbuk box. Okay. (sighs) I don't know. Um... (laughs) Obviously, like, of all the things in his museum, the Dybbuk box is high on the list as far as most dangerous items. Now, Zach had tried to open this on a few different occasions. He tried to open it at a live show and couldn't open it, supposedly. Oh, like physically couldn't yeah, open it? supposedly couldn't physically open it. The crowd got very angry. Oof. Which I was like, guys, really? relax. Like, right. why do you want him to open that? But I, like, if you're going to a Zach Baggins show, I'm mm. sure that you're going there, like, expecting something. I tried to open it then. He also tried to open it in 2018 when his friend Post Malone was visiting. <laughs> God, he would. On video. So there is a video of this. Really? Yeah, so... You see him and Post Malone going into, there. there is a specific room for this box. And in the room, the box is sitting on basically like a stand and it has a big plexiglass covering over it. He takes the plexiglass off. No. And then he reaches out and touches the box because he says he feels overwhelmed by the sense that he needs to open the box. (laughs) 
So he, I'm like, yeah, sure you did. Okay. Make sure the cameras get this. I'm sorry, you guys, but he's such a fraud. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. He reaches out, touches the box. He's like, I was overwhelmed with the sense that I needed to open the box. And then he, like, freezes. Like, he's just standing there, staring at the box, touching it. Mm -hmm. To the point where Post starts to, like, freak out a little bit. Mm. And he reaches out. He a lot to freak out Post, I'm sure. I don't know. He's probably, like, too high (laughs) and, like... Jittery, you know, because he did look jittery. Like he was a little jumpy. Yeah, he was just like, oh, oh I can't wait to see it. He's always tired. Remember? Yeah. Uh, so he like kind of starts to like kind of freak out a little bit and goes to like touch Zach's shoulder. Like, dude, like, come uh-huh. on. And they say because he touched Zach while Zach was touching the box, that post became cursed. Oh. So, this was in June of 2018. In August, Post Malone left the VMAs and boarded a private jet to go to London. Shortly after takeoff, his tires on his jet blew out. Whoa. Caused an emergency landing. Um, They were able to land the plane safely, but... The pilot basically said afterwards that that should not have happened. Like, that should have been a lot more... It should have been fatal, basically. Like, So they landed on rims? I don't exactly know how they landed, but they landed in a way that they should not have been able to land. I'm like, like did they land in land water? Did they land in... Be- uh, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. But he said that things shouldn't have gone... Should have gone south at that point. So... They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a few days later, armed robbers broke into his former house. No way. And attacked the owners and demanded to see Post Malone. But he wasn't there because he no longer owned the house. Oh. And then on September 7th, he was driving his Rolls Royce when he was T-boned by Ikea. No way. And again, walked away from it uninjured. So basically three times within a month that he narrowly escaped death, if you will. Three times. Yeah. So weird. And Post Malone didn't talk about it himself until 2021. Okay. Um, I think it was February of this year where he said that he believed that by him touching Zach's shoulder... While Zach was touching the box, that he became cursed. And that's why everything bad happened to him that year. That's why you carry a poking stick. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Little jab jab. Make sure it's like rubber just in case. Yeah. Conducts no electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Throw something at him next time. I was like, get new friends post. Back to, okay, back to the episode. So in Zach's quarantine episode or whatever, he's like, we're going to open the box or whatever. So <laughs> He's so dramatic. He's so dramatic. I'm like, you guys, how has this guy made so much money? <laughs> so anyway, so they go into the room and chaos like ensues as soon as they pull this plexiglass case off of the wine cabinet immediately they all start complaining about these sharp back pains or whatever and then they're like can you develop back pains from picking up the plexiglass because it was heavy but wouldn't that be in your lower back and so they're all like i don't even care i'm gonna clown on him because like what is what's he gonna do block me 
block me like he blocked Christine on And That's Why We Drink. Oh, really? He blocked her because she started clowning on him while she was drunk. And so he blocked her on Twitter. (laughs) Joke's on you because Fatina's the only one on Twitter. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so they're all complaining about their back pain or whatever. And then, of course, the box starts, like, uh, becomes, like, a hot spot for their EMF reader. So their EMF sure. thing starts, like, going off like crazy. And then Zach, out of nowhere, like, pushes his cameraman. and his like aggressively? Cam- yeah. Like, pushes okay. him out of the way. And his cameraman's like, I'd like to talk about why you pushed me or whatever. Like, what was that about? And Zach's like, I don't even remember doing that. Like, says he doesn't remember pushing him. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so they decide to call it a night because they're all so overwhelmed. And then the next day, Zach shows... This part, I was like, okay, maybe. The next day, Zach shows them security footage of what looks like a puff of smoke coming out of the box. Oh, weird. It's just, like, puffs. Yeah. Then they start, like, this whole thing about, like, you can see eyes in it. And I was like, no, you can't. Oh. But, like, they always, like, they always have to make it something, like, exactly. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you could have just gone with the puff of smoke and it would have been why? cool on its own. But, like, But why? how are they going to make a 30-minute show out of that, though? Yeah. Anyway. So. By opening the box. Because they still have to open it. <laughs> oh, they haven't even opened no, it? No, they haven't even time? opened it. They just took the plexiglass off of it. Okay. So he decides, like, what would be better than opening one? I know. Let's open both in the same room. Oh, so he God. goes and gets his other little jewelry box one, and he puts it in the same room, and they open the the little jewelry box first. Nothing happens. At this point, he starts yelling at Aaron, which is one of his, mm-hmm. like, crew guys or whatever. He starts yelling at Aaron. He's like, stop. Like, stop talking. Like, shut up. What are you talking about? And Aaron's not saying anything. Mm. And then he starts saying that he can see, like, a black mass huddled against the wall. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Of course, the camera doesn't catch any of this. And then what you can hear is, like, this popping noise going on off camera. And so they all react to, like, this popping noise. And so they're like, all right, cool. Like, we're going to open the wine cabinet now and, like, elevate these things. So they open up the actual, like, supposedly the one Dybbuk box. Uh Uh-huh. And the thermal reader catches the temperature jumping from 85 degrees on the box to 91 degrees Whoa. on the box. And then, of course, like, his equipment starts picking up all these readings, and it's going off like crazy of and everything like that. So everything's, like, flying off. Um, and then he does the—this is where I'm like, okay. He picks up the box and corners Aaron into a room with it and sets it down— on the threshold of the room so Aaron cannot escape without going past it. And basically it's like, touch the box, touch the box, touch the boat. That's um, an asshole thing Exactly. To do. And that's where I was like, you know what? You're a dick. Because he literally just, like, starts yelling at people for no reason. He pushes people for no reason. And I'm like, I'm 99% positive that you're faking all of this and you just use all of this as a reason to act like an asshole on camera. Yeah. So he picks up the box. He corners Aaron in the room. He sets it down on That's the threshold. Cool. And he's like, touch the box, Aaron. Touch the box. And Aaron's like, I'm not afraid of touching the box. And he's like, dude, then touch the box. So Aaron touches the box and promptly passes out. No way. Yeah. Again, take with it what you will, because Zach has to make his money somehow, but supposedly Aaron passes out. And then Zach just proceeds to sit there and look at him. Not even help him make sure he's breathing. doesn't go over to check on him. In fact, he's talking to Billy the whole time, who's sitting in the control room. Um, Like, nothing's going on. Like, they're talking about, like, 
a conversation or something like that. And then at some point he gets up and he's like, oh, Aaron's on the ground. Bitch. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction right there. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So he just like, anyway, that was my problem while I was watching it because I was like, you're just... You're literally just It just an sucks asshole. because it almost uh, makes you... It doesn't make me question the other accounts because obviously those people weren't doing it for publicity. Right. And they're retelling their what seems like horrifying experiences. Right. But it, it, it just, just seems like because, such a blatant disrespect for something that has right. actually, like, potentially caused serious tragedies for other people. Right. That it's like, are you trying to make a joke out of this? Right. Which I don't quite understand. Um... I, you know, the whole time I was thinking what the last owner, Jason, was saying, that it would be irresponsible to... Just give it to somebody else. Right. And that's where I'm kind of like, Or mess with it, or, like, it's not a game, it's not... Well, and he probably gave it to Zach Baggins, thinking... He'll be respectful of it. It's going to go, and supposedly, when Zach first got it, he wouldn't let anybody see it without actually being over the age of 18 and signing a waiver. And he took it really seriously then. Mm -hmm. And then in 2020, he's like, I know, we'll open the box like which i don't think it sounds like opening the box really isn't the end all be all because it's been open several times Mm -hmm. but it does sound like bad things happen when the box has been opened right um so it's not like the spirit's gonna jump out and adhere to something else but it is gonna cause chaos when the doors are open on it so I think he gave it to Zach thinking, okay, well, he's going to make sure, like, he monitors who sees it. Like, the waiver's going in place. It's sitting in its own isolated room, and it's in a plexiglass container, and, like, this is perfect. And also it's fighting all these other forces of evil, so maybe mm-hmm. it just, like, won't be so overbearing. And Zach's like, I know how to make 2020 entertaining. Huh. I don't know. It just kind of, yeah. We had Tiger King, really, but nice try. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> it really just didn't sit well with me. And, like, him chasing his friend around with it and, like, That's forcing his cool. friend to touch it is just, like, it's exactly what happened. Like, that kid that forced his friend to put her arm in the box. I'm like, I hope you lose your hair, Zach. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that'd yeah. be funny. That would actually be really funny. Um. Anyway. Not to, like, totally rag on Zach this episode, but just I just was, of. like, super <laughs> unimpressed. Yeah, right. I was like, I don't quite get it. Yeah. Anyway, they do end the episode by saying that Billy's dog mysteriously died three days later. No. Can't say that it's because of the box, but just felt like it was important to share. Oh, no. Which I was like, maybe if you hadn't been chasing people around acting like an asshole, that wouldn't... Right. If you just kept the door shut... Somebody right. didn't have to lose their dog. Ugh. All of these ugh, these poor innocent dogs that keep getting dragged into these episodes. Man, it just sucks because it's it, it might have just been coincidence, and we don't know. But a lot of you know other things could have just been coincidence. But that's a hell of a coincidence. So that is the one confirmed Dybbuk box. I don't know about these others because again, it only seems like Zach seems to know about these, which I'm mm. like. Tell us Maybe about that's it. because make an episode. Well, and I <laughs> I think that's probably because either a he's just completely bullshitting, which might be possible. I don't put anything past him at this point. Um, but b maybe other people have reached out to him to mm. describe a similar situation Experience. type thing, uh, situ- or like a similar like family story mm-hmm. around some type of item or mm-hmm. something like that. So maybe he does know something. Supposedly, this is, like, the most dangerous of them all. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. They're supposed to fight Nazis. 
Yeah. 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 I did not know that. I didn't even know what, like, was here in Portland for I know. A while. I was shocked. And then I was like, of course it was. Uh, yeah. But. Anyway, dang. so, yeah, that's the story of the only confirmed Dybbuk box. Dybbuk box. And a little history on Dybbuk's in general. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I want to see it now. The box? Yeah. Okay, so I heard... um, Well, you'd be supporting Zach by paying your admission, so... uh, No. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you mean in person? Yes. Well, somebody, like, said that there was, like, some theory floating around that if you looked at pictures of it, you could become possessed. I don't believe that. Um, No. No. I'm like, sorry for everybody on Instagram, but it's going up. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, you will not catch me dead going into Zach Bagans' museum now that I have been exposed to him as a human being. I'll just make a bald picture of Zach, and you can make that our cover for the episode. Mm. And then if you want to see it, it'll be the second picture. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Great. Good idea. Um, I will post... That'll get us blocked real quick. <laughs> I'll tag him in it. Yeah. Um, I'll... On some platforms, definitely on TikTok, potentially maybe only over in the Facebook group, I'm going to post the video of Zach Baggins with... Post. post. I want to see that, too. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. All right. Super cool. Uh, lights only flickered once. I think we're good. Hopefully. So, Cool. Um, story. Thank you. Also, um, somebody happened to in the group on Facebook posted a story about a basically it was a what the Florida and I was like, how did I forget about these? Because yeah. it's been yeah. such a minute since it's we been did a while. One. So I think it was Jen. Jen um, posted a <laughs> what the Florida it said belligerent Florida woman exposes herself provocatively to children <laughs> at a party she crashed. I don't know. It's provocative. <laughs> How do you expose yourself unprovocatively is my question. Oh, I'm sure Florida knows way. So. Says a Florida woman was taken into custody after she crashed a party and exposed herself to children while ranting oh belligerently. Susan Dill, 53, from Pensacola, has been charged with lewd and lascivious behavior, according to the sheriff's arrest report. The charges stem from an incident on Tuesday, October 26, in which she barged into a backyard get-together held by acquaintances and began engaging in an obscene behavior. Wow. Um, it said that she exposed her bare breasts to children. Oh, my gosh. And it was unclear whether or not she was under the influence. Unclear? Yeah. Seems pretty clear to me. Yeah. Anyway, so Florida has not calmed down. <laughs> And thank you, Jen, for reminding me about all the chaos happening in Florida. Oh, Florida. Then, I mean, here we are in Oregon. I, I know we have our history, yeah. but we oh, had the Dippic box, so yeah. <laughs> take so that, there. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not look up to see where that furniture store was. Are you going to go? Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey. Hey. Looking for some antiques. What up, Kevin? <laughs> hey. All right. And so if you would like to follow us over on Patreon, I have edited some settings, so now we're searchable. Apparently that was creating a lot of chaos Weird. for people. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
So if you'd like to join our Patreon, please do so at patreon.com slash podcast. And um, we actually have some new Patreons. So first in the Murder Lovers Club tier, whatever. Clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> in the secret club. <laughs> we have Florencia. Ooh, thanks, Florencia. Thank you. And also in the Murder Lovers, we have Shanine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm not, I'm so, so proud. So, so sorry. Thanks, Shanine. Thanks, Shanine. Welcome. Welcome. Totally appreciate your support. Um, Love you guys. And obviously there is bonus content and all that jazz over on Patreon. So please feel free to join. We would love it so much. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.